morning. Good morning. Ain't it a great morning outside? A little chilly, but ain't it great? We love it. Uh, and welcome to our garden party. This is Mississippi Public Broadcasting's weekly garden program. We call it the Gestalt Garden, and I'm your host, Horticulturist Felder Rushing. Our producer is an awesome Java Chapman. We're going to have fun for the next hour or so. Coming up in today's Cinco de Mayo Day broadcast, I'm going to give you a heads up on what you can be doing in your southern garden, your southern garden, share a few interesting emails, and some of, uh, of course, a usual cheesy music selection. You know I'm going to do that, which I adore being able to do every week. But most important, it's live here at MPB. We're going to be talking with you in real time about what's going on or not in your own garden. It's a live program, folks. Sit back, join me in Java. So we're taking a few minutes of news before starting this informal party we call the Gestalt Garden. We're about to get dirty, folks. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. All righty, welcome back, folks. Okie dokie, Java. It feels great outside. Man, it is just incredible out there. Is it really May? No, I can't believe it. I mean, you know, usually it's going to be, you know, hot. Well, it was hot a couple of weeks ago. So anyway, it's going to be a great weekend to get out and garden, folks. We're going to be talking all about it. There's a few events going on. and uh, But anyway, here it is, the first weekend in May. I wanted to uh, throw out a couple of things. We have holidays and observances. I like to take care of some of those. Of course, May is known as Mother's Day. We have Mother's Day here in America in May. Also, Memorial Day, which a lot of people may not be aware that it started about the same time all over the country, but one of the first places that celebrated Memorial Day, they call it Decorating Day, was in Columbus, Mississippi, where uh, the townsfolks went out and put flags on all the graves, uh, no matter what side of anything. So anyway, Decorating Day became Memorial Day. It started right here in Columbus, Mississippi. A few other things, and uh, again, this could be a live program, folks, so we'll get to your phone calls. If you want to give us a call, it's toll-free 1-877-MPB. Ring. Um, this is Cinco de Mayo, but before we get to that, let me throw out that it's also National Wildflower Week. Starting next Monday is a National Wildflower Week. So if you hadn't got around and mowing your weeds, give them another week to set seed and have their, you know, their little thing in the sun. Let the butterflies and hummingbirds and all that get as much as good as they can before you cut them down. Or if you like them, you might even want to leave some. It's also Gardening for Wildlife Month. So uh, it's kind of a nice thing. We have wildflowers and native plants. Uh, you know, smile at the raccoon, you know, because there ain't nothing you can do about it. We got a, a, a little brouhaha in my neighborhood because there's a raccoon coming out and eating a lady's koi out of her pond. And everybody's saying all this stuff you could do. And I'm thinking, let them have the fish. <laughs> you know, the raccoons live here. The fish are they're saying, this nice. <laughs> oh, bring more koi. I mean, come on, Java. Instead of putting expensive koi out there, just go to PetSmart and get some cheap goldfish and enjoy them till the raccoons have their little feet. Because the raccoons are saying, oh, this is easy picking. That's this, right. That's this is a buffet right here in my neighborhood. That's right. Thank you. We really appreciate this. But anyway, one of the suggestions people keep making over and over is about catching the raccoons or possums or whatever and releasing them somewhere else. And I'll throw out, first of all, I know that's what people want to do. We want to solve a problem. Well, the problem isn't the wildlife. The problem is our perception. And if you catch a raccoon or a possum or a squirrel and you let it go someplace else, the Wildlife Federation people say on average they're going to live less than two weeks and it's going to be a miserable slow death because of all sorts of reasons. But most important, 
probably about half the ones you catch is a mama raccoon, and they've got some babies someplace. So anyway, I don't want to get into all that. I'm just saying catch and release. It is against the law, and it's a cruel thing to do to animals. Let me put it another way. How would you like it? Neighbors, if I caught your cat and released it somewhere else, I don't think so. But if catching my yard, it's <laughs> we just talked about that yesterday on uh, Creature Comforts. Really? Yeah, just talking about how people want to be have a nice twelve acre lot and make it nice and pretty, but you live right next to nature. You yeah. got to respect nature. Yeah, and uh, see so anyway, it, it, I understand people want to control their their perimeters. But <clears throat> uh, by the way, in in Japan today is Dandelion Day. Um, let me see what else. Uh, oh, here we go. <laughs> Java, I'm not making this stuff up. There's websites where you look up every month the national holidays, the weekly holidays, the daily observances, right? Okay. And according to this, this is official stuff. Um, tomorrow is World Naked Gardening Day. And I know you're taking full participation. Full, <laughs> we don't do the full Monty thing in my yard, okay? <laughs> but anyway, World Naked Gardening. And by the way, um, now we won't go there. We won't go there. It is National Salsa Month. Salsa. Salsa is has surpassed ketchup as the number one condiment in America. It used to be ketchup. Wow, now that is something to know. They sell more gallons of salsa as condiments than they do ketchup in America now. So instead of chips, this French well, instead of French fries, it's chips now. That's right. That's right. Um, anyway, t- t- today is Cinco de Mayo. I want to throw this out real quick. We've got a, a cheesy tune coming up. We're going to get to your phone calls, but uh, don't confuse Cinco de Mayo with Mexican Independence Day because it's not. That's in September. Uh, it, it commemorates the War of Mexican Independence from Spain. Cinco de Mayo celebration held on May the fifth to commemorate. Uh, the Mexican army had a, a, a big, big battle with the French forces in a thing called the Battle of. Puebla, I think. Anyway, 1862, uh, and they they won. Nobody was expecting the Mexicans beat the French. So anyway, in Mexico, they commemorate the battle today, uh, mostly ceremony, military parades and all. But the holiday itself, we've been celebrated in California continuously since 1863. They ignore it in Mexico. It's not that big a deal. Um, but now it's sort of become associated with celebrating Mexican-American culture. It really started coming to vogue in my generation, 1940s, uh, out in California. And then it started to spread in the 1560s. I remember in the 1980s, uh, beer companies used to capitalize on it and uh, began to promote uh, Cinco de Mayo. And that was kind of evolved into a wonderful, colorful, musical, kind of a foodie celebration of Mexican culture and heritage. Anyway, happy Cinco de Mayo. Uh, we've got some events coming up I want to share, but before we do that, I want to go jump right in and talk with Jerry up in Tupelo. Hey, Jerry, good morning. Hey, good morning. What's up, man? Are you cold enough? Uh, well, I think the calendar is wrong. It doesn't feel like May right now. No, uh, no, I'm, uh, yeah. So what you got going on? You got ferns or something? Yeah, the people that owned my house before me uh, planted some ferns in the yard. Uh-huh. We've got a lot of shade, and those ferns are coming back up, and I like them. And I was thinking, well, I'd like to put some more ferns in the yard, yeah. but I'm not sure what kind to put. I know I, I know they're temperature sensitive, and I'm, I'm concerned that if I put the wrong kind, uh, they won't come back up next year. Yeah, uh, you're, the, the, two, the two fern mistakes you can make, first of all, if you buy these you know, hanging basket type ferns, the Boston ferns, right. They'll freeze in Tupelo. So, you know, and there's a native fern called maidenhair fern. You may be familiar with it. Real delicate little thing is a pretty little fern, but they really grow best along a creek or something like that. So maidenhair fern 
and the Boston Ferns you find in the Garden Center. Other than that, you just about can't go wrong. Oh, okay. But let me throw this out, Jerry. There's a lot of plants that, you know, ferns are I, I, ferny looking, okay? It's good to have something else out there, and there's some really good plants that, that you can mix in with your ferns that grow just as well, that give you a texture color contrast. I'm thinking things like hosta. You familiar uh, with hosta? I was thinking about hosta. Hosta, okay. yeah. And, you know, just dig a pretty good size hole, work a little stuff into it, loosen up the potting soil when you get a hosta so it's not growing in a little plug of potting soil on the ground. But hostas will do really well for a long time. Uh, Aspidistra, there's an evergreen fern that's called holly fern. It's a real good dark green forest green, uh, evergreen, coarse-looking. It's a clump-forming thing, not going to spread. But uh, you got an opportunity to mix in uh, all sorts of stuff. And the main thing I'd uh, warn you away from, most of the garden centers sell this plant called a still bee. If you're not familiar with it, it's a beautiful plant. It's an incredible plant, but they really don't like Mississippi. They like to be out where it gets cold in the winter and not so hot in the summer. So a still bee is a great woodland plant for a little bit further north. Gotcha. So, anyway, shoot me an email. Maybe we can come up with uh, a few other things. But the main thing, mix the, and put your gazing ball. You know what a gazing ball is? Uh, I guess it's those balls that I see people put out there. Yeah, put one of those out there to bring color uh, into the area. It, uh, it just sort of creates a focal point or a, a big log or some kind of hard, you know, art, little artistic thing that, right. that gives some rhyme to the reason out there. Excellent, excellent. But don't All be right. scared. Don't be scared, man. Thanks for the help. Appreciate it, Jerry. Thank you. Let's go down to Canton. Hey, Mary Ellen, good morning. What's up? Oh, well, hi. Howdy. 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 Surprise. Taking my call. You bet. Um, I wanted to ask you if you would announce about the Madison County Master Gardener's annual plant sale. Well, you, I, I, I had that on my calendar, but you just tell us all about it right now. Well, it's tomorrow, mm-hmm. uh, May 6th, from... 8 a.m. to noon or until we sell out. Usually we sell out around 11 o'clock. Yeah. It's going to be in the parking lot of the Kroger's on Highway 51. That would be the northwest corner. Okay. Corner of 51 in Hoy. Wait, 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 wait. wait, wait. I got to ask, where are you from originally? New Orleans. Okay, New Orleans. I figured that, New Orleans. Soon so, as I open my mouth, that question is asked. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, at least they don't think you're from from Boston or something. Well, sometimes they do, but uh, yeah. it's New Orleans. Yeah, well, we're uh, you know, this is going to be a fun thing, um, and y'all have done this a couple of y'all been doing this for two or three years, or a bit longer well, than that. I think longer than that. I became a master gardener in 2012. Uh huh. And that was the first year, I believe, that okay. it was in the Kroger parking lot. But prior to that, it had been over by the caboose yeah. on Main Street. Yeah. But we get so much exposure right there on 51 and yeah. Hoy. Yeah, better parking, yeah. too. So 51 and Hoy at the Kroger's, and that's going to be Saturday morning, starting at 8 until the... Are you going to let people in before 8? Well, we try not to because we're trying to get set up. But, you know, people come in and browse around. They, yeah. You know, yeah. pick out what they want. And we do have a lot of good starter plants. Uh, you know, most of the master gardeners just divide and propagate. And some bigger plants, too. So um, that's one of the one of the, one of the beauties of master gardener sales is a lot of the stuff comes out of your own garden. Or you have somebody saying, no, we're not going to sell that because it doesn't grow well here. Right. Okay. Almost everything we grow. Well, listen, y'all Y'all have fun, okay? Okay, and, and thank uh, you. I think you might need to wear a sweater and some sunblock. 
Exactly. <laughs> I'm going to be prepared. Thanks for calling, Mary, Ann. Uh, Mary Ellen. Appreciate it a whole bunch. Okay. Thanks. All right. And uh, by the way, there's uh, the East Mystery, East. Mississippi Master Gardeners having a spring plant sale also. It's going to be in Meridian uh, from 8 till 11 Saturday. Um, that's going to be uh, at the Earth's Bounty, which is at the depot in Meridian. If you know Meridian, you know where the depot is. But they, again, plants are tough southern plants. A lot of them came from Master Gardeners' yards in the greenhouse. It's really tried and true for warm and dry conditions. So East Mississippi Master Gardeners and the uh, there at the Earth's Bounty at the depot in Meridian and also the uh, Madison County Master Gardeners at the Kroger's there on Highway 51. Enjoy. And uh, some fun people. If you have questions about gardening, they can help you with that, too. Now, let's go to uh, Steve in Florence. Hey, Steve, good morning. Hi, Felder. Howdy. What's going on, man? I like your show. Well, thanks for being part of it. Well, I appreciate it. Uh, I don't have a large plot where I can plant a garden mm-hmm. or raise any crops or anything. I live in a small apartment. Yeah. And... You generally get questions about big stuff, yeah, like no. <laughs> big ferns and stuff. Well, I've just got a little planter yeah. that might hold two cups of soil. Ooh, that's and, a little bit. Yeah, this really is small, and I might get another couple of those. What would you plant in those in a small apartment? It would be colorful and cheerful and nice. It wouldn't require a lot of maintenance. Mm-hmm. might even live for quite a while. Now, you're talking about indoors or out on your patio? It'd probably be indoors okay. 95% of the time. Let me let me throw this out. I, I came up with a, two or three years ago with a list of plants that are that are by, and I, by the way, I, I got started really interested in horticulture. I was raised by gardeners and my great grandmother was a horticulturist, but I really got interested in potted plants, indoor tropical plants, and I collected them like crazy. And I settled mm-hmm. down now because I'm gone a lot, I'm busy, I'm lazy. Um, you know, and I don't have the best conditions inside for plants. So I settled down on some plants that are what I call unkillable, things that will grow in an ashtray on top of the television. Mm-hmm. Uh, back, back when televisions were more than three inches thick, okay? Uh, and I do have a list of these things, but if for small spots, you know, small containers, the first one I would start out uh, is one that's called Chinese Evergreen. And you can get them at box stores. You can get them at garden center. Chinese evergreen. There's some that are solid green, some that have pretty variegated leaves. But Chinese evergreen is a foliage plant, if you get the colorful foliage. But it will root in water. It grows in small conditions. It doesn't need a lot of water. It takes low light, low humidity, everything about it. And that's a good starter plant. And the second one I would, would go with, some people call it mother-in-law tongue or snake plant. The Latin name is Sansevieria. Sansevieria are tough as nails. As a matter of fact, I grow uh, about 17 different kinds, and they can go two months without any water. But they like the low light. What's that? Sansevier. Start S-A-N-S. If you just Google uh, potted plants and look for anyone that starts with S-A-N-S, Sansevieria. It's named after Prince of Sansevieria from Italy, but nobody cares about that stuff. Anyway, Sansevieras, Chinese evergreens, give you good foliage, good texture, all year, low maintenance, low light, low humidity, and they're the two I'd start with. Okay. And then, you know, if you want to shoot me an email, I'll send you my list of other ones, because, you know, you you can can grow something bigger than two cups of potting soil. Come on, Steve. You know, get, (laughs) get get you a big bean can and punch a hole in the bottom. Let's take it from there. Okay. Well, thanks. Enjoy talking to you. Yeah. Have a great day. Yeah, and by the way, Steve, it's a matter of scale. In a small space, little can still be big. 
Okay. Bye. Bye. <laughs> we need to take a break, Java. <laughs> I, he says, you always talk about big stuff. Well, I got a little yard, too. I live in a 350-square-foot cabin. I don't have room for a lot of stuff. So I have to go with small. But everything in a small space has got to be important. I'm Horticulture's fellow rushing. This is the Gestalt Gardener. It's a production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting, one of many locally produced weekday programs where you have local folks talking about local stuff without the pressure of having to sell you anything. Stick with us. We're going to come back with more of the Gestalt Gardener, more of your phone calls, some emails, a few other events, and also some cheesy Cinco de Mayo music coming right here on the Gestalt Gardener, Mississippi Public Broadcasting. Happy National Salsa Month and Cinco de Mayo. We'll be right back after this. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Okay, okay, folks, welcome back. Horticulture's fell rushing. And by the way, my friend Greg Grant is in town. He's given up. Greg, Greg is from East Texas. And uh, he went to Texas A&M. He teaches all sorts of stuff. He helped start the Texas Rose Rustlers way back when he was an extension agent in San Antonio. He's given a talk on southern heirloom plants today for Master Gardeners. They're having the statewide conference uh, this week. And uh, he's in town, and he's going to come over to my yard. He and I spent a lot of time together. Greg is uh, with the co-author of a plant called Southern Heirloom Plants. And if you want the best book there is, on garden plants for the South, tried and true, with interesting stories and great pictures and histories from daffodils to, to every bloom and shrubs. It is a big, thick book. is fairly inexpensive. Southern Heirloom Plants by Greg Grant and Bill Welch. Um, also, uh, tomorrow is National Herb Day, Saturday the 6th, National Herb Day. So we've got plenty of stuff going on. Uh, but we're going to talk in Antique Roses next week at the Copiah County Extension Office. Uh, they have a free program, uh, the door prize and refreshments. But if you want to learn all about old garden roses and also take a virtual tour of the Antique Rose Emporium, that can be Monday, May the 8th. It's coming Monday, 6 p.m., the Copiah County Extension Service. Uh, those master gardeners are burning the woods up. They have programs all the time teaching people about gardening, which is what Master Gardeners is all about. If you've got any kind of upcoming garden events, shoot me an email, garden at mpbonline.org. Love to help promote things. Again, uh, garden at mpbonline.org. Uh, let's go down to Mobile, Alabama. Hey, Becky, good morning. Good morning, Felder. Howdy, what's up? Well, i got a dilemma, and I know you can help me with it. I have a long-time friend who's made the decision to go into an assistant living home. Uh-huh. And she has left me with a huge supply of plants that she had taken care of. But these plants she has not been able to take care of for the last couple of years. So I'm now the owner of a sweetheart rose. Huh. I wonder, what the, sweet, I wonder what the sweetheart rose is. I have no idea, but it's root-bound in this huge pot that I can't pick up. I've gotten someone to drag it, drag it close to my back door, and I've, in, I was looking at it yesterday, and I found a glory lily in the middle of all of this. <laughs> what a cool plant. And, and it's so, a surprising plant, too. 
Yeah, and this this plant, the rose, is is so root bound. It's got a huge root coming out of the bottom of the pot that's uh-huh. probably the size of my thumb. Yeah. So my question to you is this: What do I do about pruning the rose? I'm going to have to repot it. Okay. Let me ask: you, Is it possible? By the way, does this have little small pink flowers? Yes. Okay. Each one before they open up is a perfect little pink bud. Exactly. Okay. That's called Cecile Bruner, B-R-U-N-N-E-R, and President Theodore Roosevelt used to wear one on his lapel all the time. Okay. That's the old sweetheart rose, a little pink bud, pretty plant, tough as nails. Do you have any place in a yard where you can plant it? No. I'm like the person who called before me. Well, what, I live in an apartment. Okay. What, what, what about at the assisted living place? Do they have a little place on the ground? Because this plant doesn't take any care. It blooms all the time with no sprays. It's, a, it's not a... You know, one of these high maintenance roses at all. If you put it out there, then the residents could have roses all year long, every year, without any sprays and stuff. Well, that's a good thought. Yeah. I might consider that. But anyway, to answer your question, if you know, if, to repot it, you know, you can, is it in a plastic pot? It's in a large plastic. Pot, okay. Yeah. Well, you you could take some heavy scissors. Don't use your best kitchen scissors, but get some heavy scissors and just cut the pot around away from the roots. You know, starting at the holes. And just cut the pot away from the roots. Okay. And then put it in just the next size pot with some pretty good potting soil. But uh, to prune it, you can cut sweetheart. It makes a pretty good size plant out in the yard. But you can cut it back to two feet tall, and it will put out new growth immediately and start blooming. Okay. Now, I got another quick question for you. How do you go about propagating cuttings from a from a plant like this? I have grown so many roses from cuttings, I can't even begin to tell how many years I've been doing this. What I do is I take pieces that are about the size of a pencil, you know, not the real flimsy tip growth okay. or the thick old woody stuff, but stuff that grew, you know, whatever's growing this year, you know, the new growth comes out this year. Mm-hmm. If you'll root that this fall, November, December, even January, take the cuttings of this year's growth in the wintertime. They'll root, I mean, you can root them just about all year, but people who do it for a living, they do it in the wintertime. Okay. And, uh, and they're real, real, matter of fact, that sweetheart rose was grown from a cutting. Somebody broke it off, stuck in some dirt, and there you go. Well, I appreciate you so much. I enjoy listening to you every Friday morning, and thank you for being. You are a bright spot in my life. Well, and i got to tell you this, uh, you know, Becky, calling about this has brightened up a lot of other people's lives, too, because this idea of having a rose that's passed along because it meant a lot to somebody that blooms all the time, that any kind of sprays. I sure wish you could talk to people there at her assisted living place, convince them that it's not one of these, you know, you know about knockout rose, don't you? Yeah. Tell them it's as tough as knockout rose because actually it's tougher. Because a lot, a lot of people are scared of roses. When they say knockout, they relax. With Cecile Bruner, the sweetheart rose from the 1880s is just as tough. Okay. Thank you for being. Okay, Becky. Thank you for calling so much. Bye-bye. She started getting maudlin over there, didn't she? Well, I appreciate that. Let's go up to Memphis. Hey, Mike, how are you this morning, sir? Hey, good. Are you there? So far, Yeah. Hey, it's kind of a little off your subjects, but I'm working down in Ashland, Mississippi, uh-huh. on our cabin, and uh, using Roundup, killing off all the honeysuckle and poison ivy, Virginia, everything that's kind of like an invasive. Yeah. And I'm wanting to go back afterwards with seeds. Yeah. That will kind of go through our weather systems we've been having, you know. That, yeah. 
some of the plants don't make it every year, but looking for, and I was thinking like black-eyed Susan, I was looking for some other ideas. Yeah. Okay, yeah. First of all, keep in mind, most of the plants that bloom in the spring, the black-eyed Susan, the Coreopsis, uh, you know, things you see along the roadside, along the meadows, they actually sprouted back in the fall. They grow, You know how clover comes up in the fall, it blooms in the spring, and then it dies? Right. That's the way a lot of our, our annual wildflowers are. So, you know, you've got all summer to sort of make sure you got most of the weeds under control. And if you'll just go out sometime in, oh, September, October, uh, early November, and just throw some seeds around, uh, you know, make sure they get in contact with real dirt. They're not caught up a bunch of leaf litter. Then they'll sprout in the in in the uh, late fall, early winter, and bloom next spring, and then they'll start spreading themselves from there. All right. Well, um, like I said, Coreopsis and, and Black Eyed Susan. Yep. What other ideas? Now it's it's it's, uh, it's up in that area. It's really sandy soil. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, I mean, there, there's 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 plenty of them. I, matter of fact, I have a list. If you don't send me an email, but you know the All the right. most common ones you can see: Black Eyed Susan, Coreopsis. Queen Anne's Lace. You know what Queen Anne's Lace is? Yes, okay, well, it's blooming right now. And if you'll find some plants where the flower, that flat white flower, has sort of dried, draws up into a brown dry, looks like a bird's nest, you just snip some of those heads off and just throw them like tumbleweeds out everywhere, and they'll sprout this fall and bloom next spring. Any ideas for shaded forest areas for seed? No. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, 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 in general, flowering plant, you know, the, the ones that bloom in the shade, they're called spring ephemerals. They have things like woodland flocks, trillium, things like that. They're not real showy. Uh, you have to really appreciate them, but it's hard to get them from seed. You need to see that little plants. Uh, for the woodland, uh, for the shade gardens, you have to have plants that bloom early, late winter, early spring, get all the energy, and then they go dormant for the summer because there's not much energy there. And so they, you know, they sort of get their winter and spring, and then they disappear. You know, there's not as many choices for the shade. That's where we go with things like ferns, uh, trillium, uh, woodland flocks, little blue flocks. So there's a few there. But anyway, shoot me an email. I can come up with more info. Think fall, though. Get You know, spend this year, this summer, getting it all nice and neat, and then we can put some seeds out this fall, and they'll take it from there. I appreciate it. Okay. Oh, one other thing. This fall, when you get ready, look around the the woods and all all around you, and see what's going out there in the fall, and you could plant some of those next spring. Okay, that sounds great. All right, shoot me an email. I will, brother. Thanks. All righty, one eight seven seven MPB ring. We got some cheesy music. Um, you want to ju- just jump in to do that or take this phone call? Take the phone call. He says, go for it. Houston, Mississippi, I guess. Is that right, Mike? That's correct, Elder. You mentioned the plant wall girl called the Queen Anne's Lace. Yeah. Is that a, is that a white flower top with a little black dot in the center of it? Yeah. It, it, matter of fact, just really looking close, it's really dark, dark burgundy. It's almost like, you know, it's called Queen Anne's Lace. Did Queen Anne have her head cut off? Was she one of the ones that had her head cut off? I think she was. Well, I think that little oh. red flower is like the neck hole. You know what I'm saying? Right. <laughs> also, is, is, that, is that also not called a wild carrot? It is a wild carrot. You pull those roots up, and it smells like a carrot. It is a carrot. You can eat it, but it's a real skinny thing. Now, let me let me point this out, Mike. There's another wildflower that's blooming right now that also has white flowers, uh, and it grows typically in low-wet areas, and the, the flowers aren't quite as flat. They're more roundy-looking, uh, but it's called, um, I'll just draw a little, what, what was the, what's Socrates, hemlock. There's a yeah, poison. Hemlock. Okay, hemlock blooms. And it looks sort of like Queen Anne's Lace, but Queen Anne's Lace has 
uh, you know, long, you know, the flowers are more flat with that little red spot, that little flower right in the middle. Qu- is, hem- is, that not, is that not poisonous? Well, yeah, hemlock is, yeah, yeah, it's real poisonous. But again, it, right. it looks sort of like Queen Anne's lace, but, you know, once you see the difference between the two, um, you know, you can tell it. In other words, don't be eating everything you find out there that's got white flowers. <laughs> uh, the main reason I called you was this is war. This is war between squirrels, and I, I plant everything in containers. I used to be one of your listeners a long time ago, but I had to work on Friday mornings. And I plant everything in buckets around these uh these bats, they, they put garbage in around the, uh, everybody has these bats. Yeah. And, uh, and I, uh, I'm having war right now with, uh, squirrels, yeah. uh, squirrels and a little bit of deer and a little bit of rabbits, but it's, it's the squirrels I'm having to yeah. fight. Yeah. And your recommendation. Okay. First of all, be aware that, take comfort in the fact that everybody has this problem and there are so many suggested solutions from putting pepper sauce on them to all sorts of stuff. And the truth is there is not a good squirrel re, uh, deterrent. There's not a good one. Uh, you know, a twenty two pellet gun will do some things, but some people don't want you to talk about that. But there's not a good control. There's not a good repellent. So the best thing you can do is try to, to, to make some kind of uh, uh, like a cylindrical, you know, get you some hardware cloth or chicken wire and make you a fence around the individual plants. It's a lot of trouble, but that's it. There's not a good solution for squirrels. There's no good repellents. And I, the the phone's going to light it with people saying this works and that works. But, you know, I've been doing this a long time, and we have not found something that really, really worked for everybody for very long. So, anyway, uh, we're going to have to take a break. And uh, anyway, good luck on that, Mike. Good luck on that. I wish there's something we could do. We're going to do some real cheesy music uh, right now. This is Cinco de Mayo, and I thought it'd be good since it's mostly a North, Northern a United States celebration. We're going to use a, a, an American band who spent a lot of time in San Diego, a guy named Herp Albert, and his Tijuana Brass. Here's one of their songs that's called Cinco de Mayo.
If you're a sustaining member of MPB Think Radio, we appreciate your support of our programs. To become a sustainer, go to mpbonline.org. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Okay, well, welcome back, folks. Uh, during the break, we're listening to that, that Cinco de Mayo music by Herb Albert. By the way, I was in the, a lot of people don't know this, but I was, during Vietnam, I enlisted and I was in the United States Navy band, a band. I was in a fleet band in San Diego and then down to Corpus Christi. But uh, while I was in the band, uh, that was Herb Albert playing in the same the same band, you know, a long, long time ago, before me. So anyway, I spent a lot of time in Herb Albert land playing the same kind of stuff. Uh, while we were in the break, though, I we reminded that uh, one of the first callers today wanted to know some, some different kind of ferns he can grow. And I said there's some other plants that grow well in the shade. And two that I thought of, well, one I was reminded of, hellebore. Linton rose or hellebore, they really need the shade, and they bloom in the wintertime. Wintertime, late winter, early spring, they still have the little uh, flower-looking bracts on it. But I put a plant out a couple of years ago called Solomon Seal, the variegated Solomon Seal. It gets about a little bit more than knee-high, long arching uh, uh, stems that come up with pretty variegated leaves. It's a bright spot of the woods, and they spread. They'll fill in quite nicely. So if you've got a heavy uh, shaded garden, hellebores, variegated Solomon Seal, uh, besides just ferns, you've got some real good choices right there. Now let's go to uh, Mobile. Hey, Gene, thank you for calling. Hey, man, I talked to you last week about a plant, and I couldn't figure out the name of it, and I went back over and talked to the guy, and uh, the problem was uh, I speak fluent redneck, and he speaks <laughs> another dialect. He speaks country redneck, and he had a big water chew in the back, so I couldn't understand him. But anyway, the, the thing was a gordonia. Gordonia, Gordonia, of course, of course, Gordonia. Uh, that's well, I know hung up on you, you call her back. <laughs> yeah, uh, that, that's actually a native plant. Gordonia is uh, is pretty closely related to magnolia and has flowers similar to a magnolia. It's a small tree, grows in the woods, edge of the woods. How tall does it get? You know, I, I you know, I've seen them. <laughs> I can't answer that because I'm always looking at the flowers. But you know, it's a, you know how dogwoods don't get really big, but every now and then you see a really big one. Oh yeah. Same thing with the gordonia. They're more of a big shrub or a small tree. Gordonia. And, uh, I got. Go, so I'm gonna go back so that west. I'm gonna go back and find out. I'm gonna call. <laughs> okay. You know because because we got I got all sorts of suggestions, but you said it bloomed in the wintertime, and a gardenia blooms in the summertime. But it, anyway, it's gordonia, not gardonia. Yeah. Okay. Uh, well, I tell you, like I said, he speaks a different redneck dialect to me, and I couldn't, so I got him to write it down. Well, he might have been a grouchy old guy just trying to get rid of you, too. Who nah, knows? Nah, he's very friendly. You don't think we're in the house always a lot of fun. Well, listen, if you want to look it up, Gordonia, Gordon Onya. Gordon Onya. D-O-R-D-O-N-I-E. The I, that's right, Gordonia. It's a great plant, and it's hard to find them, so you sort of looked up on that one. Well, I got it for free, so I see you better. Uh, put it where it gets protection for the hot afternoon sun. There in Mobile, you know, you you don't see them naturally growing out along fence rows. You see them at the edge of woods. So put it where it gets late afternoon or midday shade. You know, maybe even far till I got a jillion trees around here, so it ain't gonna get a whole lot of sun anyway. <laughs> okay. Well, thank you for helping us all. Because I mean, I was really stumped on that one. Well, that redneck dialect changed. I, like I said, he's a country redneck. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> well, we we got it figured out though. Thank you so much, Gene. Bye, Appreciate man. it. Bye bye. Oh, we got, I got all sorts of suggestions about that. It's in a, just Magnolia, Gordon, Gardein. Anyway, didn't know about that. By the way, I found out something this past week that really alarmed me, but apparently there's a new disease going around. This is true. It's serious. That's spread by ticks. That if you get this disease, and it's starting to show up in the South, if you get it, it makes you allergic to red meat. So if you're a hamburger lover, you're going to put the deet on when you're going out in the woods. Apparently it doesn't work with chicken, though. So anyway, it's a uh, Java. It's a weird world. That's gonna mess up some people' weekend barbecue plans, right there. <laughs> That's right. But it makes it break out and all sorts of stuff. But anyway, there is a disease that they found out that is spread by ticks that makes you a uh, temporary. You can grow out of it, but makes you allergic to red meat. Well, maybe thinking. for some people, it'll be a nice little diet. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Put down the steak. Go for some chicken. There you go. <laughs> anyway, it's not funny, but you know we can find humor. And I also got an email from a fellow who wants to know about growing cel- celeriac. So, I don't know how to say it, celeriac. I don't know how to say it because it doesn't grow here. <laughs> I don't want to know about it. It's, uh, it's related to celery. It has a big root on it. And like celery, it'll grow in the south, but it needs a long, cool growing season. And we have two short, cool growing seasons, one kind of a weird, cold, warm, cold, warm, and one hot. So celeriac, like celery, needs a good, well-drained soil, needs to be protected from the hot, hot sun in the summer because it really doesn't like our summer times. So anyway, living and learning on that kind of stuff. Uh, let's go to Jackson. Hey, Gladys, thanks for calling. Good morning. Howdy. What's up? I have what I think is called, as I've been told, is a resurrection fern. Okay, and there's two different plants called that. Well, this one happens to be growing on, you know, back in the 50s when we put these metal awnings on the houses. Mm-hmm. And they catch the leaves and what have you. Well, in the past five years, this one has started growing and it's getting entirely too big. I don't mind looking at it. My neighbors don't really have to see it. <laughs> uh, uh, but it's fixing to multiply all the way across the bottom of the canopy. One of these are the, the kind of small ferns that you see growing on the tops of old oak tree limbs, right? Right. Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah. Uh, yeah, I guess so. But now this one's getting much larger. Well, is it the fern getting bigger or the other group of ferns getting bigger? Well, it's multiplying. Yeah. Uh, and, and they're getting longer. The older the plant is, the longer the ferns get. Right. But but in general, though, uh, if you were to pluck an individual out of the group, it's not that big. Not much bigger than what you can hold in your hand, right? Uh, right. Okay. Uh, yeah, and it's several years old. It yeah. It could be, be, even be that big. Yeah. I actually have a, uh, an, a you know, Finally got organized, got this thing to stack my wood up in uh, for my fire pit. You know, it's got, you know, got the two sidebars. And I was actually going to lay, I'm looking for a big fallen branch that's got those on there to lay across the top of it, sort of like a green roof to my wood pile. But anyway, anyway what's your question about it? If I get it off of this high awning, uh, <clears throat> am I going to lose it or can I get it? Is it some? Is it better to put it in a pot? It's not. Uh, a no, you know this 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 plant like Spanish moss grows on plants, not in plants. And you you know, for example, you you know, you never see it growing on the ground. It's always growing on the top of a limb or branch or of an old tree or something like that. So I don't think it'll grow in a pot. It doesn't have roots that grow in dirt like woods ferns are. This is a plant that it's called an epiphyte. It, it it roots it, it sort of anchors itself in the bark of a tree, but it gets its nutrients from the rainfall and the dust and the pollen and you know the bird poop and all that kind of stuff from the air. So not a good if you could get you you know slice some of it off 
with bark and all and wrap around an old branch and, and keep it on that. Okay, I'll try that because I hate to lose it, uh, especially, you know, with so much rain. Sometimes it's kind of like saying, yeah, it rained last night. I turned green. Yeah, and, and that's why it's called a resurrection fern because it'll draw up and turn brown. It looks like it's dead as a doorknob as soon as it rains. By the way, the other resurrection fern, uh, you know, this is this is going old school. But they used to have, have this thing that was like a little bright, bright green thing, and you water it, and it would swell up. And you dry it, and it shrivels down to nothing. They call it a resurrection fern. That was actually a seaweed. Oh, really? Yep, and it was dead. But when you watered it, it swelled up with moisture like a sponge. Right. (laughs) So anyway, you got the real resurrection fern. Uh, It grows on the bark, on trees, typically in the shade. So, you know, if you ride around in the woods, you'll see where it grows naturally and try to recreate those conditions. Well, it was growing on the west side. We had a big tree at that time in mm-hmm. the shade. So it got good root in it. And it's got fine roots that are wrapping around that metal. Right. And, you know, and they're not really roots type thing. Anyway, the, you know, they don't like any potting soil. So what I, you know, again, I'm going to look for a log that's got it already on there and just put it on top of my wood pile. Well, next time one breaks off of one of these trees around here, I'll bring it to you. I, I bet you there's lots of it after that wind we had yesterday. I bet it's laying all over everywhere. I've seen it. Yeah, I saw a big, a huge tree that had it. Uh, oh, yeah. Somebody else's yard. They yep. had to cut it down. It was so bad. Well, okay, Gladys, we pre- I'm glad I could help you on this, sort of. Thank you. Okay, appreciate it. By the way, there's uh, there's uh, some other things going on. Right, but I, I've got a couple of emails I'm going to share with you real, real quick. Uh, but if you have some garden events coming up, shoot me an email, garden at mpbonline.org. Uh, again, the Kapai County Extension Master Gardens are having a program on antique roses. Uh, it's going to be a free program. That's going to be Monday, May the 8th at 6 o'clock at the Kapai Extension Service. Uh, the East Mississippi Master Gardeners and the Madison County Master Gardeners are having plant sales. One's going to be at the Kroger on 51 in Madison. Others uh, going to be at Earth's Bounty at the Depot in Meridian, both on Saturday, May the 6th, which is World Naked Gardening Day. I- I'm just saying. I, you know, I'm you know, neither. Woo-hoo. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, my friend Liz Streethorse, by the way, she lives outside a little town called Moselle down in the free state of Jones. And she wrote that she had a friend in Chicago had uh, not real good results as blueberries. And even though it's in Chicago, we have problems with that here because he brought bushes adapted to his climate, but his soil is clay and high pH. He wants to know what can he put in his dirt to make the soil more acidic, like peat moss or something. And that's the, that's the key. If I were going to plant some blueberries, I would dig a nice wide hole about a shovel's depth. I would put four or five shovels full of Canadian peat moss, not compost, not manure, not potty soil, but Canadian peat moss and work it into the native dirt because blueberries grow naturally in that kind of a peat environment. It stays moist, uh, creates the soil condition. But if you've got existing plants and you want to make the soil more acidic, let's say you want to make your, um, uh, your drawing a total blank, um, plants with the big blue or pink fly, hydrangeas. <laughs> If you want to make them blue, you need to make the soil more acidic. You can buy either a powder stuff called sulfur, soil sulfur, has the opposite effect of lime. You put sulfur around azaleas, blueberries, camellias, uh, and, and the hydrangeas if you want to make them blue. 
or you can get a liquid stuff that's that uh, that you mix. It's called it's aluminum sulfate. It has a temporary effect, but you can mix aluminum sulfate up. You can get it in any garden center and uh, pour it around your plants, and it makes the soil temporarily more acidic. So anyway, I guess we need to we need to take a little quick break here. Java's over there looking at me, raises his eyebrows up and down like I'm rambling or something. Well, I am rambling. <sighs> Because that's what we do. We've got some. We got time for some calls. We got the lines open right now. If you want to give us a call, we can squeeze in two or three or four more. The number is toll free. No matter where you are, one eight seven seven MPB ring. Take a little break and uh, come back with more of that. Um, by the way, I also got a, an email from a fellow who wants to know a good source of weird types of muscadine varieties, different kinds like magoon. And I found a place that was in business when I studied muscadines back in college, still selling unusual varieties of muscadine grapes, good descriptions, good pictures, and it's called Isons, I-S-O-N, Isons Nursery, specialized in really unusual blueberries. Horticulture's fell to rushing. We'll be right back here with the Gestalt Garden on Mississippi Public Broadcasting. How you like getting dirt? This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Okay, welcome back, folks. Horticulture fell to Russia and got an email from Dot. She wants to know if she can put Malabar spinach in the same pot that she's got star jasmine, which is already blooming. I'm saying, no. Well, you could if it's a big pot. Malabar spinach is a climbing, it's a mannerly, small climbing vine with leaves that are edible just like spinach. Malabar spinach is one of the best summer greens you can plant Malabar spinach. Uh, also, we got a, a couple of callers. Uh, one uh, lady wanted to know what was the book I recommended. Greg Grant wrote a book called Southern Heirloom Plants. Southern Heirloom Plants is the best reference. It's one of my top references. And uh, to full disclosure, I wrote the forward to it. But I wrote it after they already wrote it. I said, this is nice. And they said, well, you write a forward to it. Anyway, one last thing. I got a, an email. Uh, uh, somebody wanted to know if you have a grafted plant and you and you has fruit on it and you save the seeds and sprout them, will the seeds come true to the graft? Well, it doesn't matter if it's grafted or not. If it's a fruit plant, cross-pollinated, you get pollen from two or more different kinds of plants, they will not come true to seed. It's hard to grow peaches or pears or apples, for example, because they're cross-pollinated. They don't come true to seed. And then the last one, somebody wanted to know why the pecan tree won't bear pecans. And a little bit more detail there. Um, I will answer that if we get a chance. But in general, we have early blooming and late blooming pecan trees. And if you don't have one of each and it rains when it's blooming, there go all your pollen for the year and it won't make pecans. Pecans do better if you have different varieties in the same area because the wind pollinated, and a lot of times it rains when that stuff's blowing around. Now let's go to Hasbrook. Hey, Bob, we're starting to run out of time. Bob, what can I help you with? I'm a, I'm a newer gardener here, and uh, I, I got, um, I'm, when I drive around, yeah. uh, you know, in the country roads, I see all sorts of wildflowers. Somebody asked you about wildflowers yeah. earlier, but right. wildflowers, some of them seem to bloom all summer. What's wrong with digging some of those up and putting them in your own yard? 
Well, f- first of all, you need to make sure it's legal because it's, it's not considered really ethical, but there's a lot of them out there, and it doesn't look like you're taking the only one in the area. Most of the time, people won't mind. But in general, if a plant's in bloom, that's the worst time to dig it, especially in the summertime, because they need that connection with their roots with the dirt. So when you dig a plant that's in full bloom, it will almost always wilt and die. So your better approach would be to see the ones you like and then take seeds from them and plant them for next year. And it's only because real low survival rate, even for horticulturists. So anyway, ooh, Java's making me move on. Let's go to Holly Spring. Hey, Mitch, good morning. Hey, morning. How are you, Tony? I'm good. I'm running out of time, though. Y'all got a plant sale coming up? Yes, sir. Uh, Mother's Day weekend. It's Friday and Saturday, May 12th and 13th, up at Strawberry Plains Audubon Center. We had your guy calling about ferns earlier. What five or six varieties of native ferns? And you got the and y'all and y'all got the butterfly weeds and all the other summer blooms. Oh, yeah, instead man, of digging them up, four different types of milkweed. So yeah. all of our monarch lovers will we'll have you covered. Okay, and by the way, I had such a blast when I stopped by there for the hummingbird festival last year. Unbelievable hummingbirds! It was like you needed a uh, you needed a, a tennis racket to bat them away. There's so many of them. <laughs> but anyway, shoot me an email. Doubt. Shoot me an email with details. And we'll hit it real hard next week. All right, man. I appreciate it. Take appreciate care. it, Miss. Thank you so much. And let's go to New Albany. Hey, Bill. How are you, sir? Just fine. How are you today? So far, so good. What's up? All right. My lilac bushes, they're about nine to ten foot tall uh-huh. and uh, not getting any blooms at all on the top, just around the bottom. Yep. Do I need to trim them back more or what? I would thin thin them out. You know, lilacs, you start seeing lilacs starting to bloom up north, you know, up to yeah. New, New Albany area. That's about the only place you really see them. And they still don't like our hot, hot summer nights or our mild winters. They they need a cold winter to bloom well. That's yeah. one of the problems with lilacs. So if you'll sort of thin out some of the branches, what's left will get the energy that would have gone to what you cut off. All righty, I appreciate it. Okay, good luck on it. And just right, getting any kind of lilacs at all is a miracle. All righty, we knocked some out. A little bit uh, abrupt with Bob about the transplanting wildflowers, but true. You can dig up and move a lot of plants, but a lot of times when you see a plant that's in bloom, Queen Anne's Lace, Black-Eyed Susan, Coreopsis, when they're blooming, those are annuals, they're already dying. Queen Anne's Lace blooms and then dies. So if you move a plant that's in bloom, you may be moving something that's already dying. So it's better to grow them from seed, a whole lot better from seed. Uh, if you're not sure about them, you know, if you have a plant you're not quite sure about, do a little research on it. You know, you could Google it or you could shoot me an email or whatever, and we'll help you with that. Our email is garden at mpbonline.org. Love answering things, but uh, I feel we've been kind of rocking and rolling this morning. The Gestalt Gardeners production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting. Call it Think Radio. My producer is the laid-back but hard-working Java Chapman. Our phone greeter today is Jason Klein. I'm your host, Horticulture's Phil. I'm going to think of all of y'all as I go talk to the Herb Society of America, their annual meeting tomorrow. Hope y'all get out and visit some Master Garden plant sales. Um, hope you have a beautiful weekend and plant some things because the garden centers are loaded with stuff. Main thing is too pretty a weekend to let slide. Go to a garden center, farmer's market, plant sale, take some kids and see if you can show them how to do what we do best and that's get dirty. Mm-hmm.